0: part third of peter bell by william wordsworth this librivox recording is in the public domain part third i've heard of one a gentle soul though given to sadness and to gloom and for the fact will vouch one night it chanced that by a taper's light this man was reading in his room bending as you or i might bend at night or any pious book when sudden blackness overspread the snow-white page on which he read, and made the good man round him look. The chamber walls were dark all round, and to his book he turned again. The light had left the lonely taper, and formed itself upon the paper into large letters, bright and plain. The godly book was in his hand, and on the page more black than coal appeared set forth in strange array a word which to his dying day perplexed the good man's gentle soul. The ghostly word, thus plainly seen, did never from his lips depart. But he hath said, poor gentle white, it brought full many a sin to light out of the bottom of his heart. Dread spirits to confound the meek, why wander from your course so far, disordering color, form, and stature? Let good men feel the soul of nature and see things as they are. Yet, potent spirits, well I know how ye that play with soul and sense are not unused to trouble friends of goodness for most gracious ends. And this I speak in reverence. But might I give advice to you whom in my fear I love so well. From men of pensive virtue go, dread beings, and your empire show on hearts like that Of Peter Bell. Your presence often have I felt in darkness and the stormy night, and with like force, if need there be, ye can put forth your agency when earth is calm and heaven is bright. Then, coming from the wayward world, that powerful world in which ye dwell, come, spirits of the mind, and try tonight beneath the moonlit sky what may be done with Peter Bell. Oh, would that some more skilful voice my further labor might prevent. Kind listeners that around me sit, I feel that I am all unfit for such high argument. I've played, I've danced with my narration. I loitered long ere I began. Ye waited then on my good pleasure. Pour out indulgence still in measure as liberal as ye can. Our travelers, you remember well, are thriddling a sequestered lane, And Peter many tricks is trying and many anodynes applying to ease his conscience of its pain. By this his heart is lighter far, and finding that he can account so snugly for that crimson stain, his evil spirit up again does like an empty bucket mount. And Peter is a deep logician who hath no lack of wit mercurial, blood drops, leaves rustle yet he, this poor man never but for me could have had Christian burial. And say the best you can, tis plain that here has been some wicked dealing. No doubt the devil and me wrought. I'm not the man who could have thought an ass like this was worth the stealing. So from his pocket Peter takes his shining horn tobacco box, and in a light and careless way, as men who with their purpose play upon the lid he knocks let them whose voice can stop the clouds whose cunning eye can see the wind tell to a curious world the cause why making here a sudden pause the ass turned round his head and grinned appalling process i have marked the like on heath in lonely wood and verily have seldom met a spectacle more hideous yet it suited peter's present mood and, grinning in his turn, his teeth he in jocuse defiance showed, when, to upset his spiteful mirth, a murmur pent within the earth, in the dead earth beneath the road, rolled audibly. It swept along a muffled noise, a rumbling sound, "'twas by a troop of miners made, plying with gunpowder their trade some twenty fathoms underground." Small cause of dire effect, for surely if ever mortal king or cotter believed that earth was charged to quake and yawn for his unworthy sake, t'was Peter Bell the potter. But as an oak in breathless air will stand, though to the centre hewn, or as the weakest things, if frost have stiffened them, maintain their post, so he beneath the gazing moon, The beast bestriding thus, he reached a spot where, in a sheltering cove, a little chapel stands alone, with greenest ivy overgrown, and tufted with an ivy grove. Dying insensibly away from human thoughts and purposes, it seemed, wall, window, roof, and tower, to bow to some transforming power and blend with the surrounding trees. As ruinous a place it was thought Peter in the shire of fife that served my turn, when following still from land to land, a reckless will, I married my sixth wife. The unheeding ass moved slowly on, and now is passing by an inn brimful of a carousing crew that make, with curses not a few, an uproar and a drunken din. I cannot well express the thoughts which Peter in those noises found. A stifling power compressed his frame while as a swimming darkness came over that dull and dreary sound for well did peter know the sound the language of those drunken joys to him a jovial soul i ween but a few hours ago had been a gladsome and a welcome noise now turned adrift into the past he finds no solace in his course like planet-stricken men of yore he trembles smitten to the core by strong compunction and remorse but more than all his heart is stung to think of one almost a child a sweet and playful highland girl as light and beauteous as a squirrel as beauteous and as wild her dwelling was a lonely house a cottage in a heathy dell and she put on her gown of green and left her mother at sixteen and followed peter bell but many good and pious thoughts had she and in the kirk to pray two long scotch miles through rain or snow to Kirk, she had been used to go twice every Sabbath day. And when she followed Peter Bell, it was to lead an honest life, for he, with tongue not used to falter, had pledged his troth before the altar to love her as his wedded wife. A mother's hope is hers, but soon she drooped and pined like one forlorn. From Scripture. She a name did borrow, ben or the child of sorrow she called her babe unborn. For she had learned how Peter lived, and took it in most grievous part. She to the very bone was worn, and ere that little child was born, died of a broken heart. And now the spirits of the mind are busy with poor Peter Bell, upon the rights of visual sense usurping with a prevalence more terrible than magic spell. Close by a break of flowering firs, above it shivering Aspen's play, he sees an unsubstantial creature, his very self in form and feature not four yards from the broad highway. And stretched beneath the firs he sees the highland girl. It is no other and hears her crying as she cried the very moment that she died. My mother! Oh, my mother! The sweat pours down from Peter's face, so grievous is his heart's contrition. With agony his eyeballs ache, while he beholds by the fur's brake this miserable vision. Calm is the well-deserving brute. His peace hath no offense betrayed. But now, while down that slope he wends, a voice to Peter's ear ascends, resounding from the woody glade. The voice, though clamorous as a horn re-echoed by naked rock, comes from that tabernacle, List. Within, a fervent Methodist is preaching to no heedless flock. Repent, repent, he cries aloud, while yet ye may find mercy, Strive to love the Lord with all your might. Turn to him, seek him day and night, and save your souls alive. Repent, repent, though ye have gone through paths of wickedness and woe after the Babylonian harlot, and though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Even as he passed the door, these words did plainly come to Peter's ears. And they such joyful tidings were The joy was more than he could bear. He melted into tears. Sweet tears of hope and tenderness, and fast they fell, a plenteous shower. His nerves, his sinews seemed to melt. Through all his iron frame was felt a gentle, a relaxing power. Each fiber of his frame was weak, weak all the animal within. But in its helplessness, grew mild and gentle as an infant child, an infant that has known no sin. Tis said, meek beast, that through heaven's grace he not unmoved did notice now the cross upon thy shoulder scored, for lasting impress by the Lord to whom all humankind shall bow. Memorial of his touch, that day when Jesus humbly deigned to ride entering the proud Jerusalem, by an immeasurable stream of shouting people deified. Meanwhile, the persevering ass turned towards a gate that hung in view across a shady lane, his chest against the yielding gate he pressed, and quietly passed through. And up the stony lane he goes, no ghost more softly ever trod. Among the stones and pebbles he sets down his hoofs inaudibly as if with felt his hoofs were shod. Along the lane the trusty ass went twice two hundred yards or more, and no one could have guessed his aim till to a lonely house he came and stopped beside the door. Thought Peter, tis the poor man's home. He listens. Not a sound is heard save from the trickling household rill, but stepping o'er the cottage sill Forthwith a little girl appeared. She to the meeting house was bound, In hopes some tidings there to gather. No glimpse it is, no doubtful gleam, She saw and uttered with a scream, My father! Here's my father! The very word was plainly heard, heard plainly by the wretched mother. Her joy was like a deep affright, And forth she rushed into the light and saw it was another. And instantly upon the earth, beneath the full moon shining bright, close to the ass's feet she fell. At the same moment Peter Bell dismounts in most unhappy plight. As he beheld the woman lie breathless and motionless, the mind of Peter sadly was confused. But though to such demands unused, And helpless almost as the blind, He raised her up, And while he held her body propped against his knee, The woman waked, And when she spied the poor ass standing by her side, She moaned most bitterly, Oh, God be praised, My heart's at ease, For he is dead, I know it well. At this she wept a bitter flood, And in the best way that he could, his tale, did Peter tell. He trembles. He is pale as death. His voice is weak with perturbation. He turns aside his head. He pauses. Poor Peter from a thousand causes is crippled sore in his narration. At length she learned how he espied the ass in that small meadow ground, and that her husband now lay dead, beside that luckless river's bed in which he had been drowned. A piercing look the widow cast upon the beast that near her stands. She sees 'tis he, that 'tis the same. She calls the poor ass by his name and rings and rings her hands. O oh, wretched loss, untimely stroke! If he had died upon his bed, he knew not one forewarning pain he never will come home again is dead forever dead beside the woman peter stands his heart is opening more and more a holy sense pervades his mind he feels what he for humankind had never felt before at length by peter's arm sustained the woman rises from the ground oh mercy Something must be done. My little Rachel, you must run. Some willing neighbor must be found. Make haste. My little Rachel, do. The first you meet with, bid him come. Ask him to lend his horse tonight, and this good man, whom heaven requite, will help to bring the body home. Away goes Rachel, weeping loud. An infant, waked by her distress, makes in the house a piteous cry. And Peter hears the mother sigh, Seven are they, and all fatherless. And now is Peter taught to feel that man's heart is a holy thing, and nature through a world of death breathes into him a second breath, more searching than the breath of spring. Upon a stone the woman sits in agony of silent grief. From his own thoughts did Peter start, He longs to press her to his heart from love that cannot find relief. But roused, as if through every limb had passed a sudden shock of dread, the mother o'er the threshold flies, and up the cottage stairs she hies, and on the pillow lays her burning head. And Peter turns his steps aside into a shade of darksome trees. Where he sits down he knows not how with his hands pressed against his brow, his elbows on his tremulous knees. There, self-involved, does Peter sit until no sign of life he makes. As if his mind were sinking deep through years that have been long asleep, the trance is passed away. He wakes. He lifts his head and sees the ass yet standing in the clear moonshine. When shall I be as good as thou? O would poor beast, that I had now a heart but half as good as thine. But he who deviously hath sought his father through the lonesome woods, hath sought, proclaiming to the ear of night his grief and sorrowful fear, he comes, escaped from fields and floods. With weary paces drawing nigh, he sees the ass, and nothing living had ever such a fit of joy hath this little orphan boy, for he has no misgiving. Forth to the gentle ass he springs, and up about his neck he climbs. In loving words he talks to him. He kisses, kisses, face and limb. He kisses him a thousand times. This Peter sees, while in the shade he stood beside the cottage door, and Peter Bell, the ruffian wild, sobs loud. He sobs even like a child. Oh, God! I can endure no more. Here ends my tale. For in a trice arrived a neighbor with his horse. Peter went forth with him straightway, and with due care, ere break of day. Together they brought back the corpse. And many years did this poor ass, whom once it was my luck to see, cropping the shrubs of Lemming Lane, help by his neighbor to maintain the widow and her family. And Peter Bell who till that night, hath been the wildest of his clan, forsook his crimes, renounced his folly, and, after ten months' melancholy, became a good and honest man. End of part third. End of Peter Bell, a tale by William Wordsworth.